Hey friends, it's Mark James and it's Wednesday. Wednesday, 27th of October. It's nearly November. I mean, what a day. What a day. Before I forget to tell you, I was fuming this morning because I took Sarah to work. That's not why I was annoyed. Uh, I was annoyed because when I got back, the bin men had been. Now, bin men had been. That's my incorrect pronunciation of the word bean. The bin men had been and um, they left the bin in front of the drive, right in the middle of the drive. And it was pissing down with rain. So I had to get out of the car in order that I could move the bin and then get back into the car and drive onto the drive and then go in the house. How annoying is that? I was talking to my friend Tom on the phone at the time and he said that his bin men put the bin back with the handle facing the wall. (laughs) How did they even do that? Surely they dragged the bin around by the handle, but the handle is against the wall. It's like they've done it on purpose. He said he thinks they do it to wind him up, but there you go. So anyway, I'll get through this week, of course. I've been up early today and yesterday and the day before, and I've probably performed my three earliest shows. I mean, I did a show at 4am for the Magic Castle once, but I didn't go to bed. I think 4am counts as late and 6.30am counts as early. (laughs) That's the gap, isn't it? 4am is technically still the night before, but 6am, fuck me, that's the next morning early. But there you go. So I've got a cup of tea in my mug, which came from the Ryman Auditorium. That is a, well, it used to be a sort of cathedral. Uh, It's in Nashville. It's called the Ryman, R-Y-M-A-N. And it is an incredible music auditorium. And the stage is huge and the seating is unbelievable. And you can tell when you're inside that it used to be a big old gospel-y type church. But now they have Jason Isbell and James uh, Bay and, I mean, all sorts of people on. Dolly Parton's played there, Kenny Rogers, you know, other country legends. This is Nashville after all, but then loads of good people as well. (laughs) Let me just say, I used to say I hated country music because I don't like Dolly Parton or Kenny Rogers. I think I don't like that... um, or a girl, you're going to get your... I don't like that, whatever that was. And I don't like um, that sort of... You know what I mean? Country, but when it sounds really like country music. I don't like that. I like modern country music. Like Jason Isbell is country music, I would say. But, like, really good. I wouldn't necessarily say that I like folk music, but a lot of more modern folk music. I like that too. It's kind of a mix, isn't there? When folk or country mix with more modern rock pop, then they feel a bit more accessible to me. I didn't really love Taylor Swift's first album, but I do like the new version that she's done where she's remixed it. They're basically the same songs. She's just knocked a bit more of the country out of them and I like them more. So what can I say? I have absolutely no... Anyway, let's get on with it. I have absolutely no idea how much I weigh today because um, the scales in the bathroom, I didn't get on them. That was a weird way to... T- <laughs> that was a weird way to tell you that, wasn't it? I suppose I was trying to work out what to say. It's this brew. 
the oh that's what i was telling you the ryman auditorium is huge but the mug that we bought from the ryman auditorium i think this is my favorite mug i mean there are a lot of mugs you could dip a biscuit into when i say a biscuit i of course mean a biscuit not what americans call a biscuit which is more of a scone a, a cookie type biscuit um, you could dip a loaf of bread in this thing. It's huge. I mean, this is the kind of mug you could have soup in. It's really big. Really, really big. It's um, It takes two tea bags. That's all I can say. It is a two tea bag mug. That's how big it is. Ridiculous. Does make a good brew in it, though. So I've got two tea bags in it now, and I'm going to have a quick sip. Sarah told me, by the way, I nearly did it then, and I stopped myself. Sarah told me that when I drink... During the podcast, I make a noise, and I think that noise is me subconsciously alerting you to the fact that I, I'm still here. I don't want you to think that the podcast is broken, and in the time it takes me to have a drink, whip out your phone and skip forward or stop or something like that. So I make a noise. So apparently, I, when I normally drink, I go, hmm. <sighs> Like that. And I fill the gap of drinking. But I'm going to drink right now and make no noise. Don't go anywhere. There it was. I had another little drink. So anyway, I haven't got weighed because I was up doing a show. The actual show was at 6.30 this morning. So the first thing I did out of bed was I went to the toilet and showered. And then I made a cup of coffee. And then I drank said cup of coffee. Not in this mug. I'll have you know, God, I'd never sleep again if I drank a coffee in this mug. <laughs> um, it was out of my Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Well, actually, it's just Snoopy. I bought this cool red Snoopy kind of metal beaker without a handle on. And I really like drinking my coffee out of it. It's my new favorite thing to drink coffee out of. The feel of the edge of the metal thing when you're drinking the coffee is really nice it doesn't have a handle on it but it doesn't need one now you may think god doesn't that get boiling and burn your fingers no because there's enough space between the top of the coffee and the top of the mug and the heat doesn't transfer up the metal so when i hold it around the top rim but underneath the little lip so that i've got enough purchase then it doesn't slip out of my hand it also doesn't burn my fingers so that's where we're at with that but because I'd drunk coffee and been out in the office and done all these different things, I forgot to get weighed. And then I got home and after taking Sarah to work, came in and everything was kind of, you know, I made this brew and I ate a couple of little miniature Hero-y chocolate type bars. Celebrations, there was a miniature Snickers, a Milky Way and then a Galaxy. And I ate them in that order too, because that's the best order from worst to best. Snickers is the worst, then the Milky Way, then the Galaxy. What's interesting is actually I like a Snickers better than a Milky Way if it's a full size from the shop chocolate bar. But if we're talking about celebrations, the mini ones, then the Milky Way slips into the lead for some reason. I don't know why, I just fancied that one more than the Snickers. So I had them in the reverse order. I just opened the drawer and they were in there and I thought, I'm having you. So there you go. Um hypersonic missiles i was going to talk about this last week but i forgot i read in the news that japan was it japan i feel like i read that they were being launched from tokyo no it wasn't i'm really sorry it was beijing it was beijing i knew it was a capital it was beijing 
and they've because uh, that was it. The article said Beijing is now going to be a lead, the leading military power because they've been testing these hypersonic missiles that go at five times the speed of sound. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the speed of sound is 769 miles an hour. 769 miles per hour. That is the speed of sound. So when you see the Red Arrows or any other exhibition flying team go flying past you and you don't hear them as they go past. And then a few seconds later, you get that crack the air, insane ear splitting noise. When that happens, that means they've broken the sound barrier and they're going more than 769 miles an hour. Now a bullet, a bullet travels at twice the speed of sound, which is incredible. The hypersonic missiles that are currently owned and operated by uh, Beijing, so I suppose that's the Chinese military, those go at five times the speed of sound. How insane is that, that they have missiles now that travel at 4,000 miles an hour? So if you fired a missile from Hollywood to my house, I wouldn't have a time to order a Domino's pizza before it killed me. <laughs> I'd have time to order it, but it certainly wouldn't arrive at the house in time. That's wild, isn't it? 4,000 miles an hour, because it always takes longer than an hour for Domino's to come. You know what's funny as well, or Papa John's? In that situation, I would say to Sarah, we've got an hour to live. It turns out Hollywood, I only say you choose Hollywood because I know that that's uh, almost 4,000 miles, actually is it 4,275 miles or something? I usually have it in my intro at the Magic Castle. Uh, Bob, who's the host there, who always brings me on, he always says, this tonight's guest has traveled 4,275 miles to be here with us tonight. It's his fifth time performing at the Magic, you know, and it's sort of, it's great. Um, so I know it's at least 4,000 miles away. Watch someone Google it now and it'd be 3,600 or whatever. Don't Google it. Don't tell me. I'm sick of being wrong on this fucking podcast. <laughs> anyway, 4,000 miles an hour. I know that if I said to Sarah, guess what, babe? Someone in, Ho in Hollywood, and he said Hong Kong then. Someone in Hollywood. My geography's all over the place today. That's because my show this morning was for people in Mumbai, Shanghai, and anywhere else that ends in I. Um... Start and I, because the main conference was in India. There you go. So I linked that together seamlessly. So I'd say to Sarah, babe, it turns out Hollywood have just launched some hypersonic nuclear missiles at us. We're going to die. And she'd go, right, shit, what should we do? And I go, well, Let's order a Domino's. And she goes, all right, cool. And I go, what pizza do you want from Domino's? She'd go, hmm, don't know, what are you having? <laughs> Even though she's never, ever in the history of our relationship, which by the way, next month, you know, in a week and a bit, is going to be 13 years, Sarah and I will be together, 13 years on the... Uh, 6th of November we'll have been together. So that's wild, isn't it? And we'll have been married for uh, eight years on the 6th of November. So, because we got married exactly five years to the day after the day we got together. So, yeah, 
never in that time has she ever eaten a single slice of my pizza ever. And yet, whenever we order pizza, I'll go, what do you want your pizza? She goes, what are you having? <laughs> and then I go, doesn't matter what I'm having. What do you want? She'll go, well, and then she'll usually... She's fuming, by the way, listening to this. She's going to be screaming. She can't scream because she's on a train. Hello, future Sarah, sitting on the train to London, being all Billy Big Pants, going to London for your big train and all that. I'm very proud of her, you know. She's absolutely crushing it at work. She's on the way to do training for Tudor. She's already done Rolex training, and now she's doing Tudor training, uh, which is very exciting, and learning about multiple watch brands. Anyway... I'm very proud of her, Billy Big Pants, my wife. I say that as more of a preface now, before I continue to slag her off in a funny way. <laughs> you're beautiful, though. You're bloody beautiful, and you smell great. She did smell really good this morning. She's been wearing this Rolex perfume, and it smells incredible. I love it. I'm going to get it as well. It's unisex. Mm. Anyway, so she'll take 15 minutes deciding what to have, and then she'll order the same thing as she always has, pepperoni mix. She always has pepperoni. Actually, that's a lie. Sometimes she has vegetarian with feta cheese. But generally, it doesn't take 20 minutes to decide between the two or three things that you always have. When we, do, when we say we're having Domino's, I know what I'm getting. I'm getting a Hawaiian, but I'm swapping the ham for chicken because I like chicken and pineapple. And I'm going to probably add some chilies on there. That's why I order. Every time it's the same. Chicken and pineapple pizza, that is my thing. It does annoy me when you get, I've talked about this last week or the week before, I don't like when they put red chicken on. But that obviously doesn't happen at Domino's and Papa John's. It's proper. You get normal chicken. So anyway, that's what would happen. Babe, we're going to die in an hour. What you want your pizza? What are you having? Doesn't matter what I'm having. What do you want? I don't know. 20 minutes later, oh, fuck it, we're going to die. We're going to be dead before the pizza gets here. They're still going to be at Domino's is preparing your pizza on the pizza tracker. And we're going to be exploding into it. We're going to have our skin being melted off by um, 4,000 miles an hour. Hollywood, Beijing invented rockets. <laughs> of course, that's assuming that the people who work at Papa John's and Pizza Hut... Sorry, Domino's. I don't know why I brought Pizza Hut into the equation. That's assuming that they don't have read or use the news in any way. And they don't know that the rockets are heading towards them. And they're still bothering to even make the pizza. But there you go. Never mind. So, new stools. I told you that I had new stools for my show last week as well. That I was painting orange and I was doing a lot of painting. What I forgot to tell you was how I came to acquire those stools. I went to B&Q. And I'd Googled already to make sure that the exact stools I bought last time were in stock. And only one place had them. And as luck would have it, it was my local B&Q. So I went and I showed the guy the stools I wanted. He took the product number from the website, put it into his little tracker. That told him exactly where in the store they were located. And... There was a floor display of loads of different stools. But the ones I wanted weren't there. The ones I wanted were approximately 50 to 60 feet in the air <laughs> on a massive shelf. Uh, actually, 50 to 60 feet is ridiculous, isn't it? It can't have been that high. Maybe, maybe 30 feet in the air would be more appropriate. I'm thinking like 
Nah, because that would be... That'd be too much, wouldn't it? That'd be four... No, four times my height. That does seem right. Yeah. Four to five times my height. Yeah, 30 feet in the air. So, um, in case you didn't know, I'm six foot tall. Six foot one in the morning. Uh, six foot and a bit. I'll probably just say scrape six one. Anyway, um, if I'm lucky. And... The guy comes down and he sees that they're up there. He goes, oh, yeah, base 66, location three. We need to get some ladders down. He said, I'll tell you what, though. We do have a lot of other stools here, and some of these are on special. Look at this one. And he points some stools at me. He goes, they're almost the same. And I went, no, I really want those ones from up there. And he said, oh, well, what about these ones? They've got the flat top like the ones up there. They're almost identical to the ones that you're after. And I said, no, I really want the ones from up there. And he went, okay. He said, I, I wouldn't normally do this, but why does it have to be the ones that are up there? <laughs> Which is a strange little question, but I can understand why I asked. Because they've got like 12 different types of stools laid out and they're all very similar. And I said to him, well, I have a black banner that says the world famous cup and ball trick on it. And through the top of that black banner is a flat piece of wood, which is sewn in. And attached to that piece of wood are some magnets that are gaffer taped strongly around that wood so they will never move. And that banner perfectly attaches using those magnets to the bolts that are already a natural part of this stool. And I use all of that setup in a magic show. And he said, I don't know what any of that means. I'll go and get the big ladders. <laughs> I said, all right, then. And he went off and he got the big ladders. Fair play to him. So that night, let's get to uh, Wednesday night now. I did a gig at a holiday park called White Cross Bay. And the gig is only probably 45 minutes away. And I was on at half seven, which is an absolute dream. That's an early night at home. But... When I was walking into the venue, I went in and uh, left everything backstage and I needed to go to my car to get an egg, which is a normal sentence to say. I went to my car to get an egg, but on the way back to the venue, I tripped up a little step that was hidden by some leaves because White Cross Bay is quite different to all of the other holiday parks in that the team there, they don't wear the actual regular uniform. They look more like sort of park rangers and... The park is very much a Lake District vibe. It's got um, trees everywhere, leaves falling, lakes and slides and all this other stuff. I'm just having a drink. Mmm. Mmm. Ah. That was for you, babe. Anyway, I tripped. And when I, tri <laughs> when I tripped, I put my arm up to stop myself from falling. And my arm hit the wall because I was going to trip into a wall. And I cut myself... But I pretty badly, I've got a lump and quite a big, um, like, yellow bruise. I pretty badly scraped the hoverboard on my Back to the Future tattoo. On my left forearm, I have a sort of um, set of, I think you would think of them as being flash, a tattoo flash, where there are lots of mini images. And they make up an oblong, a perfect oblong of multiple Back to the Future symbols. So there's, you know, the flux capacitor, the remote control from the car, the jacket that Marty wears, the DeLorean, the boots, uh, the Pepsi thing, the guitar, all these different things from Back to the Future, but also the hoverboard. And it's pretty badly scraped the middle of the hoverboard. I don't know if when that... 
I had that tattoo like four years ago. I don't know if when the scab that's currently there from where it bled and ripped, when that goes, if the tattoo will still look normal or not. It might have a little missing bit or a faded bit or whatever. I sort of don't mind. People get a bit particular about their tattoos. I don't really give a shit about mine. I like them. I like getting them. But once I've gotten them, I don't care if they're bad or not. Once a week goes by, you think like... People are a bit precious about it. If one of my tattoos had a spelling mistake in, I would just think that was quite funny, you know. It wouldn't bother me at all. It's funny, when you don't have tattoos, there's a sort of thing about, oh, there's no going back now, you've got that forever. But once you get one or two, you stop caring altogether. And you just think, yeah, once once that unblemished thing has gone, It doesn't matter anymore. That first tattoo for me completely broke the seal and it didn't matter at all. Um, But there you go. So I got home early and we decided to have Indian food. Sarah had said to me already during that day that she wanted Indian food. Now, I love Indian food. And after this week, I truly love Indian people. The audience that I've worked for this week, who were predominantly Indian, were so much fun and I never had any feelings like in the same ways I don't have any feelings about any you know nationality or ethnicity in particular although I do have to say that I like Scottish people a lot I find that Scottish people usually make excellent audiences I've noticed that Scottish people make great audiences Um, Americans tend to make pretty good audiences as a rule um, English people, not so much. There's a sort of reservation about English people that I think makes, uh, makes, I was going to say them, I suppose us, I'm English. There's a reservation about English people that makes us not as, um, not as good a crowd as other crowds I've worked for. Whereas Scottish people, they... They're pretty open and usually a good crowd. Now, of course, there are plenty of, you know, Indian, Chinese, um, English people and plenty of Indian, Chinese, you know, etc. Scottish people, because, of course, being Indian or Chinese is an ethnicity as well as a nationality. So when I say um, English people, I'm including them, too. If you're Indian or Chinese or any other ethnicity, but you're from England, there's a good chance you're going to be more reserved. Whereas if you're Scottish, but your ethnicity happens to be Chinese or Indian or or any other, then you're probably going to be in that great audience bracket. I think that is specifically a nationality change. And so working this week for Indians that were both Indian by nationality and ethnicity... That they were a great crowd, and I think that is likely down to nationality as opposed to ethnicity. Because I've met plenty of British Indians who I would say fall under the mixed, you know, whether they're Scottish or English, it's their nationality that's tended to alter whether they've seemed like a good crowd or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, there's the thing for you. I suppose I'm dividing people there by, yeah, because the cultural things, of course, ethnicities have culture within them as well, but 
there's a cultural, there's a group thing that comes with cultural as culture as well, isn't there? When a lot of English people are in a place together, they tend to act in a similar way, regardless of their ethnicity. If a lot of English people are at a football match, they're wankers. If a lot of people are in a tennis game, they're extremely reserved and polite. <laughs> oh, let me just say, I'm English and I hate the English. As, um, what's his name, uh, is it Renton, says in um, Train Spotting, the English are just wankers, and I agree with him, we are. But anyway, so I worked for Indian audiences this week, and they were fantastic. Um, anyway, Indian food, almost entirely unrelated, but I do love Indian food. And so, Sarah said she wanted to order it. I spent all day thinking, oh, I'm having Indian food later. Now, if you are going to have Indian takeaway food or Indian restaurant food or whatever, um, I, for me personally, I need to work out what I'm doing the next day because I get a hangover from that food. And when I say I get a hangover, I mean, I need to know that I'm not going to be that far away from a toilet all day. I'm not going to eat Indian food on a Thursday night. If on Friday I've got a six hour drive, it's just a bad idea. However, I was off Friday, so... Or Thursday. I was off whatever day we were having Indian food the day before. So I didn't care. It was fine. And I'm glad because I spent all day shitting through the eye of a needle. <laughs> it affected me deeply. Now, it might not have necessarily been the Indian food, the uh, korma or the masala or the jalfrezi or any of that stuff. I think it was probably the extremely hot chili chicken wrap that I also ordered from that particular Indian restaurant because they make this wrap which has got chicken, but it's really, really spicy. Like you get hiccups after one bite, but it's tasty as well. It's really nice. It just also tries to kill you. But I quite like that in a chili chicken wrap. I want it to be really hot because hot food, it's not a macho thing. I would order that if I was in the house by myself. I'm not trying to show off like those wankers who are apparently at Nando's. Apparently there's a thing where if men go on a date to Nando's, which by the way, if a guy takes you on a date to Nando's, don't ever go on a date with him again. But if you go on a date to Nando's, the guy will order at the counter medium spicy chicken, but will ask the um, server or waiter or what I'm not sure what the terminology is for that and it always seems weird to me waiter is kind of ordinary assistant helper staff member server which I know is the terminology in America always seems quite sort of server it's like servant isn't it it doesn't sound it sounds odd to me but anyway whoever that person is they will ask them to put the extra spicy flag in the chicken. Because you know at Nando's, they put a little flag in your chicken to tell you what spice it is. You order it, but so that they, when they get to the table, they go, this is the extra spicy. This is the thing, and like mild is green and extra spicy is red and yada, yada, yada. Apparently, there's a thing where men ask the server for medium spicy chicken, but can you please put the extra hot spicy flag in it so that my date thinks I can handle super extra spicy hot food. I don't know anybody that would be impressed by the idea that the person they're having a meal with can handle extra hot food. If I was on a date 
where that person was potentially going to uh, get intimate with me later and they were eating extra spicy food, I'd be thinking, I bet you're going to get the shits later. <laughs> I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want that. For me, if we're on a date, let's just have something inoffensive and mild. No garlic, nothing extra spicy. Let's keep it, you know, let's keep it real. Speaking of garlic, I was mentioning Sarah earlier. She absolutely loves garlic. And I just want to round up by saying, as she listens to this, I know right now she's on the train from Preston to Houston. She's staying in a hotel tonight. She's doing training the next two days. I'll see her again on Friday night. And uh, I'm super uber duper proud of her for how much she is crushing her work right now. And uh, we are just a week away from our wedding anniversary. 13 years. Lucky number 13. How exciting, eh? So there you go. Um, so that was the food. Now, part of the reason that I was happy to have the spicy food and I got Joshua in on the action as well and try to get him to eat some really spicy food is because he has made us all ill. Well, me and, me and him have been ill because he's had a cough, a terrible cough, a raging cough, and he gave it to me. And Sarah's been fine, but she thinks she's going to get it today now that she's away. But I think I'm getting better now. So that's good right that's a good thing um but it's taken a week i've been i've had a cough for a whole week i think last week on the podcast i had it then didn't i well it got worse and it's been especially prevalent in the morning it's woken me up actually each morning but it's getting a little bit better now um there you go sarah had a hair appointment which got cancelled which was a bit of a shame and then i was at another place doing a show and i won't out the person and i'm sure i've mentioned this in the past but what is going on with eyebrows right now what is happening with it's it's typically women sometimes men sometimes men get their eyebrows plucked and drawn back on most men don't do that. It's not that prevalent amongst men that they fuck with their eyebrows. But with women, most women alter their eyebrows in some way. Most women I find or I've noticed will pluck their eyebrows, of course. Uh, that's commonplace. But then they will also tint their eyebrows with a little bit of um, eyebrow pencil or whatever and slightly reshape them. Some people... Um, get their eyebrows entirely removed, like lasered off, and then tattooed back on. So they have these permanent tattooed eyebrows, which from a distance can look okay, but up close tend to look a bit mental. And most people try when they mess with their eyebrows to entirely reshape the natural position or shape that their eyebrows came in. I mean, typically, the eyebrows that are on your face already, they're the ones that your face was meant to have. That's the shape and size that they're supposed to be. I say this because I, aside from a little bit of an occasional tidy up and shave between the eyebrows, because you don't want the old monobrow, the singular eyebrow across the, uh, across the middle of the forehead, you don't want that. But I don't mess with my eyebrows. Whenever the barber offers to shave my eyebrows down, I never do. My eyebrows are very fair to begin with, so they're not that noticeable. They're very light uh, shade. But I do find it odd the way that eyebrows are going at the moment. And last week, I saw some eyebrows that blew my mind. <clears throat> they were on a girl 
who was probably 19, 20 years old, she looked like she was going fancy dress as Groucho Marx. And the only thing she hadn't done was put the moustache on yet. <laughs> you know, like those thick grease paint eyebrows. I mean, if you've got two giant thick black eyebrows on your face, surely you must know that that doesn't seem right. Your eyebrows are not supposed to be two inches high and four inches wide. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it. And the only thing I can imagine this comes from is a rather sad, uh, it's, called, it's kind of endemic, or is it endemic, the word I'm looking for, within society, that Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all the other different social media platforms, Twitter or whatever, that share images of constantly photoshopped celebrities and what, and, you know, influencers, etc., their unusual standards of beauty and magazines have made us all feel inadequate and like we're not happy with the way that we look. And so we chase after these bizarre ideals. And I can only imagine that someone gets to that stage gradually because there's no way that that girl, and I'm not telling you what gig or anything like that because I don't want to out this person, but there's no way that girl went from her natural eyebrows to that in a day. It can't have happened. There's no way you go from this to that in a singular leap. I'm assuming that, like all things, a little bit of something allows us to stretch a little bit further from a little bit. You know, maybe if you're, you know, if you're agoraphobic and you don't, you're scared to leave the house, you're not going to say, right, today I'm doing it, and go on a holiday to a different country that day. You're going to open the door and look outside a little bit, and then the next day you might put one foot out onto the porch, and then the next day you might put both feet out, and then the day after that you'll take two steps away from the front door, and you couldn't have done that the first day. You couldn't have opened the door and taken two steps outside, but... Because the day before you were one step outside, today it doesn't seem so bad. And before you know it, within two or three weeks, you're all the way out, three miles away from the house in town. But you absolutely could not have managed that the first day. Open the door and just walk to town. But every day a little further, every day a little further than the house. And that's all I can imagine is going on with eyebrows. Maybe one day you do your eyebrow a little thicker and you think to yourself... I like the way this looks. So the next day you do it again, but it's it doesn't have the impact on you that it had the day before because it's the same as it was the day before. And so now to really feel like you're making a difference, like you're stepping towards your beauty goals, you put a little bit extra on. And before you know it, you've got, you know, a two inch high, four inch wide, thick black eyebrow and you've stopped noticing because it's only a tiny little bit different than the day before. I suppose my own foibles actually cross perfectly with this because that's like weight loss or weight gain, isn't it? If I put on, like now, my weight is, in, is just not acceptable in comparison to where I was when I was at my very best weight. But I didn't just put five or six stone on in a day, did I? I put a little bit on, a few pounds, 
And from a few pounds on, you wouldn't want to put six pounds on in a day. You'd be devastated. But if you put four pounds on last week and you've gotten used to it, another two this week doesn't seem all that bad. Whereas if last week someone had said you'll be six pounds heavy next week, you'd say not a chance. But it creeps on, doesn't it? So let's just keep an eye on our eyebrows and calm the fuck down. They're getting too thick. It's ridiculous. I honestly think it'll be one of those things that historians will look back on in a hundred years when we're all just wearing VR goggles and we're a brain in a jar and nobody goes outside anymore. It's literally the matrix and your body is used as a battery to power the world and it's too dangerous for the planet for you to actually exist. So you just get born and then immediately your brain is transplanted into a jar which is connected to the internet and you just live your whole life through Facebook statuses. That is my vision for the future. But we will look back on this time and say, what was going on with eyebrows then? That was really mental. <laughs> oh, God. From little flags in chicken to eyebrows and hypersonic missiles. I mean, you never know where this podcast is going to go, do you? There is that. So I hoovered this week. And that was a joy because I've got the new Hoover. I'm looking at my notes now. There's not actually that many left. But I hoovered with the new Hoover. And one of the things that's quite strange with the new Hoover is that it's got a clear collection pot. And so you can see everything that's going into it. And after hoovering up the whole house, I was absolutely stunned to see how much collected dust and hair and like... It creates a sort of like a pillow filling worth of horror, just awfulness. You know, it's it's like a thick it's like it looks like a like a grey cloud flying around inside of the Hoover thing. Until you've got a clear receptacle that collects what comes up out of your Hoover, you can't believe how much stuff comes up every single time. And I say Hoover, I mean vacuum of course, but you can't believe how much stuff comes up every single time you hoover the floor. There you go. Now, it's funny, I was thinking about the thing I said about Sarah not being able to choose food. We're all guilty of that, aren't we? You spend more time looking at Netflix and trying to decide what to watch than you do actually watching the thing. Every single night I sit down and feel like I'm about to pick the perfect movie or whatever for my mood. And it's at least 10, 15 minutes. And you don't mind as much as you used to. Once upon a time, picking a film, that involved standing in a place, didn't it? You know, you'd be in Blockbuster Video, which I used to love that. Going to Blockbuster was such an exotic, exciting thing. Renting a videotape. The thought of watching a film now on a videotape makes me feel sick. <laughs> A videotape that other people have watched and it's got little blurs and scratches and weirdness on it, which goes completely against my ethos for records. I love listening to records, which have got a sort of earthiness to them. Although I never buy used records. I only ever buy records brand new. Vinyl records I'm on about, of course. And videotapes, I'm totally the opposite. I don't want any earthiness. What I want is perfect, crystal clear 4K if possible, but at very least HD quality. And so it's weird how much I used to love Blockbuster. But these days you just sit and you flick mindlessly 
through Netflix or Amazon Prime or or you go you do all of them. For me, it's Sky Movies, Sky Cinema, which is free. I look what's on there. Then I go to Sky Movies, which you have to pay to rent stuff, and I look what's on there. Then I go to Netflix. Then I go to Amazon Prime Video. And it's just like never ending. And then you go, well, what was that thing that was on Sky? And you go round and round and round. It's like social media. You go from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to blah, 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 blah. blah. And you just never really get involved with anything. Now we spend more time on the fringes of our own experiences trying to decide what to get involved with than just living in the moment and being involved with something which is surely more fun and we need to look after it and enjoy it now before we really are those brains in jars but we do spend way more time picking anything than we do doing the thing it's a it's a we're living in the wrong way aren't we sarah's actually quite good for that you know she doesn't spend ages on a phone she doesn't look on Facebook. She never, ever messages people, really, on Facebook. It's just not her way. She's got a few people that she talks to a lot, but she's not like a... If you look on my Facebook Messenger, there'll be at least 15 to 20 conversations from today with all different people. There's like six or seven people that I speak to on the regular, on the reg. <laughs> but... Because I speak to a lot of entertainment managers and team members and, you know, there's a lot of liaising with various people. My phone has got at least 15 to 20 unique conversations, unique visits, you know, with different people per day. Sarah's phone isn't like that at all. She does just live in the moment. She's much more in the room than I am. I'm in the room and everywhere else at the same time. I need to get better at that and just be more mindful of not playing with my phone all the time so distracting isn't it it's addictive anyway we're up to sunday when i had a close-up magic show which is quite unusual for me although you'll know i did one tuesday last week as well but this one was at manchester united which is quite exciting because as you know i love football so i was at manchester united and i was doing the boxes which are the little corporate hospital, uh, hospitality boxes, which are around the outside of the stadium, but facing in so you can watch the game. They're brilliant, actually. You get a table for 10 people in the box and you can sit there and eat a meal. There's a TV in the room, which has got whatever the earlier kickoff is or, uh, you know, whatever the earlier football match is. So if your game is three o'clock at Manchester United, the 12.30 game that's also happening will be on the TV in your room if you want to watch it. But there's also a coffee machine, a fridge full of drinks that are included, you get a hot meal brought three courses all this different stuff happens and then your box has got its own balcony and you can go sit on that balcony in uh, two-tiered chairs and watch the game it's a really really good corporate hospitality experience at Manchester United so I was there for the Liverpool game where Liverpool won 5-0 and I saw some of the goals in real life and then I came home and watched a bit of it on TV as well because Manchester United's only uh, 30 minutes away from my house. So it was a great experience. The close-up magic, again, I could take or leave because you're starting again like 10 times with different groups and it's just ultimately not that fulfilling compared to doing a stage show where you've got time for storytelling, pathos, music, happy moments, sad moments, you know, different types of magic. With close-up, you're more like the SAS. You sort of drop in, absolutely batter your audience to death with amazement and then get back out again. If you're any good at it, I feel like that's what you do. There's not really any time for huge amounts of emotional connection or 
telling a story that doesn't finish with a trick. Everything's got to be heading towards astonishment. And that, to me, is a different type of job. To me, a stage magician is as similar to a close-up magician as an electrician is to a plumber. You know, you both are using manual labour skills to fix problems that exist in a specific area and they're both inside of houses but outside of that it's not the same job and it doesn't necessarily require the same skills and yet a lot of people that are electricians could probably do a bit of plumbing and a lot of plumbers could probably do a bit of electricianing but they're not the same job and I think that's the same with close-up magic and stage magic. You can be pretty good at both but I think if you're going to be brilliant at one you have to just do that and not really do the other. I mean that's why I think Usain Bolt, you know, he does the 60 metres, the 100 metres and occasionally the 200 metres and he's really fast at all of them. I mean he's a world record holder but 9.67 seconds is that his 100 metres record? I think it is. But he doesn't do the 400 metres. You know, what's the real difference between 100 metres and 400 metres? It's not that much further, is it? We're talking... I mean, if he can do the 100 metres in 9.67 seconds, his 400 metre time's got to be pretty special, surely. But he doesn't do it. And the only reason that I can think that a top flight professional athlete who is a world record holder and has several gold medals and you know has dedicated his life to being a winner the only reason I could assume that he wouldn't decide to go and win more gold medals in a slightly longer discipline which presumably he would have to be pretty good at as well is that there must be something in running the 400 meters that makes you not as good running the 200, the 100 or the 60. There must be something in that extra distance that changes how good you are at the other thing that you're specialising in. And that's how I feel about close-up and stage magic as well. I think if you are a stage magician and you do close-up magic too, there are things in the close-up magic world that will make you a less effective stage magician because it just alters your instincts a little bit. If all you ever do is stage magic, then your instincts are primed entirely for that. But if what you do is close up as well, there's got to be a slight part of your brain that's put that's you know the decision tree in that part of your brain is leaning towards well what would I do at a close up gig? I don't know. That might be completely bollocks you know 10p psychology but to me it makes sense the only reason i can think usain bolt doesn't do that is that there must be something about it that makes him not as good at the thing that he's brilliant at who knows why doesn't usain bolt do the 400 meters maybe there's a google result i don't know but there you go um last but not least i think last but not least let me have a look at the time um Oh, 47 minutes. Last but not least, we have bought an air fryer. Um, oh, hang on. Oh, I've had a little warning symbol. It's to tell me that um, I've reached 45 minutes and that 60 minutes is the maximum recording time of a single recording. Not a single total recording, but a single segment recording. You have to pause and start recording again. So we bought an air fryer. Sarah cooked a chicken in it, 
perfectly and really i mean sarah cooks chicken the best ever whenever she does it in the oven it's always soft juicy moist you know the skin's good all of it she did it in the air fryer and smashed it as well the air fryer i saw advertised on the tv a bit like the uh, vacuum cleaner maybe you hit a certain age where you decide that buying stuff from directly from television adverts is not the worst thing in the world so maybe I'll be watching, you know, Shopping Channel next. <laughs> okay, we've only got six of these left. Everybody pays the lowest price. Make sure you get in right now to secure yours. But don't forget, that is not the price you pay. The price you pay will be the price that we're at when the final bidder takes the final one. So everybody pays the lowest price. Get in, you know, that sort of shit. Um, maybe I'll start watching that. I nearly was a presenter on there once. My friend got me a screen test for it, but I decided that it wasn't really the direction that I wanted my whole vibe to go in. Anywho, I bought an air fryer, which many of you will know is um, a machine that cooks food using extremely hot, well-circulated air. I don't really know the sort of exact science behind it. Interestingly, when the microwave first came out, it was called the science oven. So there's a fact for you. But the air fryer is brilliant. Sarah cooked a duck in it, a crispy duck. She really, she didn't think she'd done a very good job. For me, I thought it was pretty good. But she said she thought it could have been better. But she's got very high standards because, you know, she's excellent at cooking. But the air fryer, then I made bacon in it yesterday and the bacon was very good. And I have to say, I think it's been a well, worthwhile investment. I saw the Ninja Air Fryer Duo for sale on TV. I didn't buy that one. It was £180, that. And I thought, that seems a lot for the dual draw thing. I asked Sarah if she thought we'd use it. She said, yes. I asked which one she thought we should get. She said, just get one with a big single draw. So I looked and I found one for £80. But then that same company had a slightly better one for 100 So that's the one I bought. So if you find the Corsari or Corsair, no, I think it's Corsari single draw, £100 air fryer on amazon that's the one we bought currently used it three or four times and i have to say it's brilliant it cooks everything really quick i mean the chicken sarah said a chicken takes at least an hour and 20 minutes to cook in the oven the full chicken we're talking an entire chicken uh skin on everything uncarved just ordinary full-size chicken it took 40 minutes in the air fryer the bacon that I cooked took nine minutes. It would usually take longer than that. Everything in the air fryer is quicker. So I highly recommend it. I think it's been a good purchase. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk of chicken today. But that's the air fryer. Very good. I highly, highly recommend it. So that's this week. Oh, yeah. And as far as goals, because I normally talk about weight loss and goals. I haven't talked about weight loss. But as far as goals go... I've been doing the single bag show this week. I've been learning more and more about that thing. I've come up with a good idea for the single airbag show. I've bought a, a Charlie Brown lunchbox and a Snoopy watch, which is part of a new bit that I'm going to do. And I'm generally just trying some new bits out on stage at the minute. This isn't a great week to do it because it's the holidays here. So the audiences are really big, but... Thankfully, I started trying the material out before the holiday time. I got my feet in the door and now I know the material well enough that I don't mind trying it out for bigger crowds. I mean, tonight I'll probably go on for 1,500, 1,800, 2,000 people, somewhere in that region. It's a pretty big room. I'm sure the gig will be good, though. 
So that's tonight. But, oh shit, I haven't talked about India. Fuck me, we're at 51 minutes. So Monday, I did my first virtual show for an Indian banking conference, which was obviously amazing for me because nine out of ten of the call centres for banks are based in India. So I don't know if these people were working in that sector. They were certainly working in banking because they were taught... I don't think they were call centre operatives, though, because they were talking about pretty high-level stuff. They were talking about coding and uh, non-fungible, you know, NFTs, non-fungible tokens and fungible tokens and notaries and loads and loads of different stuff to do with coding in the banking world. So this was a pretty high-level banking meeting of all of these employees and uh, people. I don't even know if they worked for the same company or if it was part of a just a banking conference because they had guest speakers from Shanghai and from loads of different places to talk about coding, which was incredibly interesting. But in the 10 minutes that I had to wait to go on, you know, my mind was just blown because I didn't understand anything they were saying or what any of the terminology meant. I don't know anything about coding. I don't know anything about banking and I didn't understand a word of it. So it was quite amazing to listen to. Then I did my shows and there were such a warm, receptive audience. I said to them that on Zoom shows, rather than clapping, because most of you are on mute, uh, if you can double-handed wave at me, you know, put both hands and onto the screen so I can see them and wave, that's what you replace for clapping in a Zoom show. And it felt like every 10, 15 seconds, I was seeing that popping up all over the, the sort of uh, grid of multiple faces and Zoom chats. So that was very good. I did that Monday and then I had Monday night off. But the show was at 6.30. And so I was obviously dying when I woke up. But I went to bed early. Sunday night I went to bed at 11 as a good boy. So I wasn't too tired. Then Tuesday, which was yesterday, I did another 6.30 show for this banking con- Same audience, so I had to do a different material. And then... Last night, I did a show in North Wales at Prestevon Sands, which was really fun. And then today, I did a 6.30 show again, the final day for this banking conference. And now I'm recording this podcast and it's 10 to 11 a.m. And then this afternoon, I've got a virtual show at 4 p.m., but that's a murder mystery show. It's all set up. And as soon as I finish that, I'll pack the stuff into the car and I'm driving to Middle Wales to do a show tonight at a uh, holiday park called Hafani Moor for nearly 2,000 people. So that's going to be pretty big time. And then I'll drive home and just get in bed and die. But then tomorrow I don't have to do anything until I go and do a gig on the night. So I don't have to wake up too early, which is pretty good. And now I've got like four or five hours off before the virtual show where I can just chill all day. So I'll probably watch some TV, play Call of Duty. It's funny how when you've got a week off, you need a week to relax fully and unwind. When you know you've only got four hours off, it's amazing how you can turn that four hours of nothing into feeling like a week in your mind. You know, I really feel now when I finish recording this, which of course I've been looking forward to and I enjoy doing, I really feel like um, you just sort of can relax in that four or five hours. It feels like, God, I've got so much time now to do nothing. But the reason I feel like I can do nothing is that every other thing I need to do is already set up and ready to go. And I've tried to take as much of the stress out of my life as I can by having things ready to go and knowing what I'm doing. 
I bought a stream deck as well. The stream deck is the thing that you can use to control your multiple webcams and scenes and overlays and things like that in your broadcast when you're doing a virtual show. I've been using the stream deck, stream, like Ireland's in the stream. There's a bit of country music. We're going to end where we started. Um, stream deck. I've been using the app that comes on the iPad, but it didn't work properly yesterday. And so, no, sorry, the day before. And I didn't need it to, but it didn't work. And that freaked me out a bit. So I thought, I'm not having this. And I just bought a stream deck. I might be closing the gate after the horse has bolted. But I'm predicting that I'm going to still have a lot of virtual shows over Christmas, I think. So it'll be a worthwhile purchase. And it works brilliantly. So much better than the app. It's so fast. So if you've been holding off and you're thinking about getting a stream deck, I'm just going to say I highly recommend it. It's brilliant. Um, it's changed my confidence level in producing my own virtual show because I just know the buttons are going to work without question and there's going to be no delay or lag or anything like that so do check it out anyway that's this week's podcast hope you enjoyed it I think we covered a wide range of topics and had some laughs and uh you know what would you order if you knew you had an hour left to live what would you do in your final hour if you found that a missile had been launched from four thousand miles away Crazy, isn't it? 4,000 miles an hour. Insane. There you go. So, friends, that's that's this week's podcast. And uh, I will catch you next week when it will officially be November. Wild. Bye, friends.